Hello, welcome to Sinner Saint Sister. This is a space where searching, hurting, faithful, curious people come together and ask hard questions and listen to wise guests share how they have lived life deeply. There are a couple of things that you can do that really help out the show. One of them is if this episode is something that blesses you, can you please send it to a friend? Another thing is that if you really liked it, then could you please leave a five-star review and write something nice? You can follow along at YouTube slash Allison Sullivan for some really fun extras. Find me on Instagram at Allison M. Sully and TikTok at Sullivan Family TikTok. Thanks for being here. I hope you hear something today that lets you know you are loved and helps you love one another. Welcome to Center Saint Sister. Moms, I know you know. You just want one picture of your family, just one. And it seems simple, doesn't it? Except two kids hate what you've made them wear. One kid imitates a bouncy ball perfectly. Another smiles like Bigfoot might. The other one has to poop. And your husband isn't making anything better because he's pretty miserable too, truthfully. So you beg and bribe and threaten and sweat. I cuss. You might not. But if holiness were a diet, my mouth would be the last five pounds. And I cuss. We might get through the session with the saintly photographer who just watched our family melt down, perhaps literally because it's flipping hot and now no one is speaking to one another. Or at least that's what happened to me right before the day trip incident of 2017. So what happened is that I got some pictures back via email and it wasn't that they weren't good. It was just that with my mama eyes, I could see behind the smiles how everyone really felt that day. And the pictures, well, they memorialized all the wrong things. The exact opposite reason that I wanted to take a picture in the first place. And maybe it was because my expectations were too high. And maybe it was because I had been up six times in the night with the dog who had diarrhea. But whatever the reason, I grabbed my keys and I just started driving. I threw a tantrum. I just started driving. I didn't even know where I was going. I just started making left turns. I started driving and then I felt like I needed to keep driving. I felt like getting away wasn't just something that I wanted, but it was something that I really, really needed. Agitated, unsettled, maybe even a little panicky, it occurred to me to wonder, is this a life-giving impulse or is this a dangerous one? I wasn't sure. I kept driving, but I knew that a day trip wasn't going to touch whatever the hell was going on with me because it felt like the tip of the iceberg. And I know we all know this, but I'm going to go ahead and repeat it. Self-care, it can seem like an extravagance, but it's not. It's a discipline. And sometimes it's doing the little things that makes us healthier, like drinking water, taking a walk. But other times, it's rallying the troops, it's communicating what you need, and it's keeping on driving. Ladies, we do impossible things. And you don't have to be a mom who's spread too thin to know that. We answer emails while making dinner. We eat in our cars from our laps while we rush to the meeting. We help with homework and monitor screen time and separate laundry and fill the pantry and text the coworker after hours and pop awake at 3 a.m. because of something that we've forgotten. And it's too much. And that's not just my opinion. Like, it's actually too much. Science says so. My guest today, Eve Rodsky, author of Finding Your Unicorn Space and Fair Play, She's here to tell us about her highly acclaimed system that completely revolutionizes how women balance their to-do lists, 
reclaim their time and rediscover what makes them interesting. Her book, Fair Play, is part of Reese Witherspoon's book club. It's been made into a documentary featured, well, everywhere, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Good Morning America. And it's a nonprofit with a curriculum and trainings that inform us of and offer a solution to the unequal emotional labor and invisible work that women do. If you already know Eve, you are going to love this conversation. And if you don't, I am so, so excited for you to meet her. Hello, Eve. I am so thrilled that you're here. I am new to your very important work. You have really important work around women reclaiming their creative lives and acknowledging mental loads and emotional labor, valuing unpaid work, and of course, establishing equity with domestic duties. And um, like I said, I'm I'm new to your work. I'd I'd like to tell you how I found you. Yes, um, please. But please um, women are so desperate for this, and I feel like all of the questions that I have for you could be their own their very own episode because this is such a rich um, topic. My very favorite thing about you, Eve, is that I feel like you are so honest and vulnerable with your own story. This is something that you know you've been through it with us. Um, and then also, you are so smart and scientific and systemic in your approach to the problem. And the combination of those two things, you are either validating or convincing <laughs> um, an audience that this is a real problem. And when you do it, it's like listening to a very, very smart, concerned girlfriend. Thank you. And I, I just, I love your approach. It's obviously so very important. You're not just changing individuals, but you're changing society and potentially the world. So I could not be any prouder to host you. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's such a beautiful introduction. So if I can, I want to tell you <laughs> yes, the story please. about how I found you. Okay. So my son and I make TikToks. We just do it for fun. We didn't think that anyone would start watching, but then they did. And we just, we lean into some stereotypes here and there. But when I tell you that we are not trying to stir a pot, we, we want to hug the pot and we want to like nurture the pot, but we yeah. just make relatable, um, wholesome content through a family lens. And, and that is not ever our intention. Well, we made, <laughs> it was Christmas last year and we made a joke, uh, okay, that ended up not being funny, um, <laughs> It was supposed to be a teenager joke, okay? And so the joke was, he hands me a gift, I open the gift, and it's dishes, okay? So if you have a teenager, you know, okay? Yes. So, and it's dishes, it's my dishes, and he looks at me and he goes, I cleaned my room. And so it was just supposed to be just a little thing about what it's like to have a teenager. However, I did not think long or hard enough about the gender. Mm -hmm differential and people taking that, um, well, real, honestly, just being triggered from being harmed by unequal mm -hmm. duties or unfair duties around the home. And so when I say that this got on the wrong corner of TikTok, not the wrong <laughs> oh corner, corner of TikTok, but um, <laughs> a triggering, hostile, triggering, yes, yes, yes. Triggering. And, and the thing is, is that it is, is such an interesting thing to be the subject of vitriol and be like, but I agree with you. <laughs> 
but I hear you, but I understand what you're saying. And so anyways, it was just a joke that we didn't think long or hard enough about. And it went crazy viral for all the wrong reasons. And in the comments, most of which I was just just dismissing because they were hateful, there were a couple that brought up your name. Mm. And so the things that they had to say about your work, I was intrigued. And I look you up and I found you and I'm a fan. So thank you. (laughs) Oh my God, Allison, thank you so much. Uh, What's your son's name? I have to look up the TikToks. So yes, um, we, I'm Allison and he's Silas Silas, and we are, yes, Yes, Sullivan family. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) family. Okay. Cause I know you, Allison, but okay. Silas, um, thank you Silas for enduring that because, um, Mm. I want to tell you that I just rewatched, uh, Goodwill hunting with my little son, uh, just Mm. over this break. And, Mm. um, there's a part where Robin Williams looks at Matt Damon and it's sort of this crescendo climax of the movie where he just says, you know, it's not your fault. It's Mm. not your fault. It's not your fault. And I want to say that to every man in America and really actually the whole world, because um, sort of these, as you said, sort of that the stereotypes and the, the triggers that this work brings up for people is not the fault of men. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it it harms them too. And it obviously Mm -hmm. is not the fault of women, but really what it is the fault of is a expectations that, um, that are unfortunately, uh, taking the place of structured decision-making tools, which we'll talk about Allison. Mm -hmm. And it's really also just the fault of putting people in, in, in defining them by roles when instead, actually at this point in our lives, this point in America, we really need to start defining people by, by their humanity. And Mm -hmm. so that's sort of how I come to the fair play conversations, these conversations about domestic labor. I'm not looking and just demanding that we do 50, 50 and that, um, that men have been doing nothing or, you know, how dare they, you know, say that we do their dishes. But instead I'm saying that for women really to unlock the full power of themselves in the world, it's time we have to start inviting men into their Mm -hmm. full power in the home. And when we do that, it's actually so powerful and beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, You know, I feel like I know that fair play is for any household that wants to run well. Um, I do feel like there is a unique burden that mothers share. And, And I know that for me, there were moments in my motherhood where I who I was or or what I cared about kind of, it seemed to constantly be slipping or, or, or shifting. And there were days that I hardly recognized myself. There was something about that really self-donative time. And it was complicated because I'd never been more passionate about anything in my entire life. But that passion didn't change the fact that I was I was bored. I love how you make the distinction between bored, um, not idle. It didn't change the fact that that I was bored or th- or that I had forgotten what um, thrill or prestige or feeling smart felt like. And and I wasn't certain that a trained monkey couldn't do what I was doing all day every day. And I knew that it was important. Absolutely. I know that I knew that it was important. And yet there were days where I just had to keep reminding myself again and again and again and again, you have put such beautiful language around this very common problem in talking about unicorn space. <laughs> yes. Because hobby is way too boring for what we're talking yes, about here. Yes, um, yes. Way too easy to just dismiss. Can you tell us, can we just start off with talking about 
unicorn space for a moment? Absolutely. Well, a unicorn space is the things that make you you, right? It's it's something outside of your roles as a parent, a partner, and a professional. And I call my second book Unicorn Space because like the mythical equine, Allison, it doesn't freaking exist unless we reclaim it as women. But I do think it's important to understand when I'm asking women to find their unicorn space that we have to understand what what why we lose it in the first place. Why right. is it that I talk right. to women of all ages, all socioeconomic status um, in 16, we're, we're published now, I think in 17 countries um, mm-hmm. where women uniquely have, we are all united in the fact that at some point someone has defined us by our role. Mm-hmm. And so that abandonment of Allison, right, to Silas's mom, Um, was sort of what started for me, my fair play journey. So I talk a lot about the fact that I never imagined I'd be a writer on the gender division of labor, Allison, right? (laughs) I didn't put on my third grade, what do you want to be when you grow up board, writer on the gender division of labor or, you know, Mm -hmm. what women are lacking. That, that, in fact, I'm Gen X, right? So we were told that women could be anything they wanted to be. Yeah. Even though I did grow up with um, adjacent, my mother sort of broke out, but my mm-hmm. my family is very Orthodox Jews. So there is a lot of um, religious expectations over yeah. women's role in the home. So having to sort of break out from that. And I think your listeners can also uh, understand those religious expectations of, mm-hmm. of um, almost like these biblical expectations that sure. women have to sort of push push up against. Right. Um, but, but I didn't think this was going to be my lot in life. I thought things were going to be equal. I, um, you know, grew up very, very, um, working class with a single mother who was a social worker. I worked my way up to get to Harvard when I sat there in my opening class at Harvard, they asked what we wanted to do with our law degree. I did not say I want to be an expert on the gender division of labor for why, you know, explaining why women do the dishes more than men do. Um, and everything else it takes to run a home and household. In fact, women do two thirds or more of what it takes to run a home um, and family. A statistic I did not know at that time. Yeah. But then, um, what you were saying about what happens to us—that beautiful what you were just mentioning about the days that felt maybe bored but not idle. These these times in our lives that are pivot points. For me, it was after my second son Ben was born, and my workplace was making it very hard for me to get back into the workplace. Mm-hmm. They said I could not pump at work. And if I did, it would have to be in a storage closet and I'd have to bring a battery pack because there was no outlet. So I was being abandoned by my workplace. Mm-hmm. My direct reports were given to someone else. Um, I was being abandoned by my my older son's toddler transition program. Because when we walked in that the day that they told us we were going to be meeting friends that we know forever and who know us better than anyone's ever known us, I looked down at our name tags, Allison, and it said Zach's mom. So I was being abandoned by this school that was now defining me as my role as Zach's mother. They didn't even know my freaking name. Yeah. And then on top of it, my husband was texting me things that I talk about that made me break down in my car to cry. Like, I'm surprised you didn't get blueberries. So I was like the fulfiller of his smoothie needs. So it was that confluence of events to realize that once you become a mother, if that is not your primary focus, if 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 society does not see you going all in on that, they will shame you to this point where you ultimately do feel abandoned. 
um, because you were looked at differently by your workplace, by your community, and by your partner. And so that the only thing I can tell you about pushing back on that is that it requires a practice, Allison. And we'll talk yeah. about that practice today. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why I do think this work in your video, your TikTok video, ends up being so triggering and almost needs yeah. a trigger warning because yeah. it's not about the dishes. As my friend Matthew Frey says, he wrote a book, oh, sorry, a book called This Is How Your Marriage Ends. And it was based on a viral article that says, My wife divorced me. My life fell apart because I left dishes by the sink. Yeah. What you were tapping into with the societal vitriol that, you know, again, you did not expect was the fact that these dishes represent an existential crisis for women. And so they were taking it out on you and your son, Mm -hmm. but it's because we haven't processed this. And so it's very painful for us. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I had this moment and I needed a root canal. And I had arranged for care for the kids and I sat, I went to my dentist where everyone was so kind to me. They spoke in soft voices. They knew I was nervous and they ushered me back with such kindness. And I was in this little room all by myself, comfy chair. There's a TV. It was on the food network. They, some lady, (laughs) very lovely lady was making caramels. And I had my, um, my earbuds in turning my music way up loud. So I didn't have to hear. And I, and I remember, I will never forget this moment because I had this deep breath. It was like a sigh. And I thought to myself, well, this is kind of nice. And then I thought, I am getting a root canal. This is not okay. This is a sad state of affairs that time at the dentist feels like me time. And it was that moment that I went home and I told my husband, I said, something has got to give. And at that time in my life, I had, I was keeping a blog because it was my baby. I think, I mean, everybody had a blog back then. And I think most people kept a blog because they wrote. I wrote because I had a blog and Mm. it was just, it was the documenting of my kids' lives. But what I was discovering through that routine and through that practice was that there was something about that carved out space that made me feel more like me. Mm -hmm. And I started to write because I loved it. And so in finding that unicorn space and finding that thing that connected me to um, who not just I used to be, but who I still am and, and can even, you know, have a hope or a dream or a goal to do more, you know, there was just something about that time that was like the, the desperation is what pushed me to this, um, you know, reconciliation of these lives that I wanted to have at the very same time. Well, pressure makes diamonds. I love that. Yes, Actually, right. I have a question for you. I want to play a game with you just really quickly. Okay. I'm write this down. <laughs> so you just start to explain the the feeling you had when you first started writing. Mm-hmm. So I want you to te- to do this with your listeners because I want all of us. This is one of the exercises I do when yeah. I do oh, facilitations I so around yeah. my second book. I think it's very important, and what, what and not just I think. This is what the research shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll talk about it after once we do the exercise. So you just had this beautiful a memory. I can watch it in your face. You start to <laughs> smile. You were looking up, which is always like <laughs> aspirational about mm. when you started to start writing. I can do this. I want to write. So when you first share, you know, a piece of writing that you really liked or that it resonated with other people, what happened? Like, tell me about your values. So I I want to know, I want to, I want us to name five values that you think it brought up for you when you shared that writing 
with the world. Yeah. Um, interesting. So let's talk about, I, I want to, this is hard work. It is not yeah. easy for us to go to the values level. So yeah. I can throw out some values for you. Um, in fact, let me grab, I'll grab my book and then hold on. Let's, let's throw some values out into the. I have a couple like right off the top of my head. All right. So start, start. And then I can give you some more if we need it. I think, okay. you know how there, there's a little bit of a mommy pressure or mommy war that demands a certain facade. And there was something about writing to me that was able to push past that. I don't, I don't care about how it looks. And so honesty. So if I were to say there was honesty, it was also because it was a blog that wasn't necessarily private. Um, Now I think I had 44 followers at the time and (laughs) I felt like I was, you know, Um, but you know, there, it, it felt brave. Um, in, in that honesty that it felt brave. Um, so I just, those two right off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I really enjoy something that I like about myself. Um, and so when, when other people acknowledge something that you like about your own self, it's always, I don't know, very fulfilling, but um, was friendship. Connection? There was a, oh, friendship. Yeah, okay, there was a friendship? lot of friendship. Okay, There's a lot okay. of connection in me connection. telling the truth. Okay, that friendship is not the value connection. It's a okay. value, but I want to sure, go sure. deeper. Connection. I like yeah, connection. Yeah, perfect. Okay, okay. great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. even like a camaraderie. Like we're all kind of in this together. I appreciated together. the, I the connectivity that. of that. Um, okay, so five. So honesty, bravery, friendship. Um, connection. Yeah, sorry, uh, connection. I, well, I mean, I don't know how this applies, but beauty. Um, beauty is a beautiful value. Yeah, I, I enjoy creating something that I can stand back and go, I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. I um, it doesn't that. happen every time, um, but when it does, it's really, really nice. Um, I love that. So and we, have four. we have honesty, we have bravery, we have connection, what about- we have beauty. One what more. about just hard work? You know, oh, like, um, yes, of course, that's you a know, value. like, yeah, seeing something yes, to completion. Hard. Yes, completion. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's so funny because it's almost like I led you to the three values of, of unicorn space because two yeah. of that you have two of them in here. <laughs> but I want to just say that it, you know, Allison, you're a writer, so you did a beautiful job in getting to this quickly. But I think this is important for all your listeners who may mm. not be as used to to, to getting as deep as quick is yeah. that, you know, when you think about something you love, like what the way Allison was starting to describe her writing as a way to start breaking out of some of these expectations and the loneliness and the isolation we can mm. feel, um, as mothers, these values are really important because I'll tell you that when I start to ask women what their values are, all I would hear was like family. <laughs> Not that that's bad, but it was not, it was the boring values. And I want to just say something. One of the most important things that I learned in this journey from going to a blue, from a blueberries breakdown on the side of the road, from my husband thinking I was his fulfiller of his smoothie needs to a more fulfilled life where I was able to return to myself was that the return to yourself happens at the values level. Mm. When you can understand that we have values, yes, friendship, family, those are all important values, even mm-hmm. religion, but that there are other values that are unique to us and it's hard to get to them, but it's easy if you think about something you love and you back into those values. Yeah. So so I want to gift you, Allison, right? This for now, I mean, there's other values that you can build on, but at least for 2024, 
that you get to check in with yourself every week and say to yourself, did I get to be honest this week? Hmm. Whether, whether it was with my, you know, my followers, did I, or myself, was I honest this week? Did I get to feel brave this week? <laughs> did I get to feel connection this week? Did I get to feel beauty this week? Mm-hmm. Did I get to feel completion this week? And it doesn't mean you're going to get to all of those things, but at least have one. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because what I learned in this journey to, of writing two books, a book about the pain of domestic labor and getting people to have a more fair balance in their home and a book about women losing themselves, because that was a big piece of when you have all that domestic labor, it's hard to maintain yourself because there's no time. That's how they connect. One of the most important things I learned was that the only antidote to burnout and languishing that you and I were talking about earlier is being consistently interested in your own life. Mm-hmm. And the way to be consistently interested in your own life is to know your deeply held values. Mm-hmm. And so I will tell you and guarantee that if you answer that you were being honest and brave and connected and feeling yeah. beauty and completion, yeah. you will feel interested in your own life. And so that's what that that is ultimately one of the most important learnings, I think, from writing the second book. Thank you so much. Yeah. I feel so attended to and yes. it, it makes me teary, <laughs> you know, and so uh, just the how many how many people set aside time for just that, you know, to just be seen. So thank you for seeing me and of allowing course. us that exercise. Thank you so much. You had a meltdown about blueberries. I had a similar meltdown. It, it's not funny, though. <laughs> I mean, the root canal one's kind of funny, but there was one that wasn't funny. And it's that um, I am in charge of any school email. So if there's an email from any one of my five children's teachers, it's me. Well, once they get older, of course, they have six teachers. And so times five, there's a lot of emails. And I have since, I'm just being honest, I'm not proud, I'm not, I have since shut down over school emails and you're the only person I've ever told this to out loud. I don't read them ever. Yes. Okay. So now we all know I do not read school emails and that there's a lot of consequences to that. And one of them that I realized within the last year is that I could cry. I have not ordered Mm -hmm. my kids school pictures in probably two or three years. And that's devastating to me. Mm -hmm. And so there is, there comes this moment of collapse yeah. Where can you talk about, and, and and you can take this anywhere you like, maybe it's emotionally, maybe it's even biologically, but there are repercussions <laughs> to women shouldering two thirds of this kind of emotional labor, unpaid work. Oh my God. There's such repercussions. Um, well, the first one is the next generation. As one woman said to me, you know, she was actually okay doing it all, but she wasn't okay having her three daughters watch her do it all. So I think there's mm. reproduction, there's repercussions for the next generation, of course. But I think in terms of the, the most alarming one for me, Allison, that actually has evolved Fair Play into a movement. We have a nonprofit called the Fair Play Policy yes. Institute. And we have um, a lot, we were, were at the White House last year. We have a documentary, um, if anybody wants to watch it on Hulu, it has become a movement because mm-hmm. of the alarm um, that, that I see out there. And I want to read you, I wasn't going to do this, but I think it's, it's, it, if you don't believe me that there's physical health consequences and mental health consequences from shouldering it all, then maybe, um, this, you know, email can sort of, uh, I got this from, uh, a man in Korea 
South Korea. And this is what he wrote to me. Uh, I just happened to have my phone here, so I want to read it to you. Dear Miss Rodsky, I won't say his name because I don't have permission to use it. Um, thank you, message from Korea. That's That's what I got. I read your book, Fair Play Project, and write this message to express gratitude for you. I bought this book as one of the husbands in the world. And I confess, I thought I'm a fairly good husband, but I was wrong. By the way, that's not what, as we said earlier about your son, that is not what fair play is meant to do. It's not this. Right, right. But, you know, that was what he got out of it. I strongly believe everybody must read this book before they get married and have a baby. This is the important part. Personally, I lost my sister, who was a high court judge and a mother of two elementary student sons four years ago. It was because a cerebral hemorrhage stroke took her. I believe this disease exploded as she worked too hard and handled too much things during her father-in-law's death, which was just a week before her death. She took care of too many things as a full-time worker and as a perfectionist judge. I think of this fair play project were spread all over the whole of Korea and every husband executes this project. My sister is still with us, having a balanced life with her smiling face, which I terribly, terribly miss. Thank you. I will practice this method from now on. Wow. I, I love that email because I got that on LinkedIn because not everybody gets a cerebral hemorrhage stroke, God forbid. But Allison, we are seeing women who work in the home, out of the home, again, for pay, for not for pay. And they report that they hold 67 of the 100 fair play cards to back up fair play is a game. I have not missed anything in your life. I promise you. I've done this for 10 years. Truth. I have 100 cards. <laughs> Facts. 100 cards that literally cover everything that you have to do to manage your home. If women are holding 67 of those 100 cards where they tell me they own those cards, whether it's dinner, holiday gifts, um, informal education, like teaching your kid to tie their shoe, and on and on, there's 100 of them. If women tell me that they shoulder 67 or more of those cards and work, for pay or not for pay, then they are um, reporting also five things. Insomnia, SSRI use um, for, you know, for distress, for anxiety, and for depression. Uh, they're reporting autoimmune disease, thyroid issues, uh, cancer diagnoses. And so the list just keeps on growing. And so I want us to know here that A, it's not your fault, and B, yeah that we have to treat this as urgent, yeah. not just for the next generation, but for our own physical and mental health. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you for that. And um, not apologizing for the drama of it all. It's, it's really, really important. You have gamified, now yes. that you um, brought up the cards, you have gamified a very sensitive subject, which is the brilliance of it, of it to me. Um, and, Truth that you have not left out a thing. Ladies, there is, there's a card for magical beings. Yes, there's yes. a card for the tooth fair. I mean, yes. it is, it is so brilliant. And, and on a good day, I would say this subject matter between partners is, um, sensitive at best, right? Um, on a bad day, I would say that it's defensive and contentious. Absolutely. And yet you have, have set this up, um, in a way that we're really kind of playing a game around it. I know so many people that will not enter in to this conversation because there is so much resentment built around overwhelm that 
this feels like an impossible topic. This feels like a giant argument waiting to happen and the relationship is already shaky. So at the same time, you've done an excellent job of not um, vilifying anyone based on their gender. And instead, you are pointing to generations of social conditioning. On a topic that feels sensitive at best, contentious at worst, how can you give us optimism for entering in if it feels like it's just all going to come crashing down? Well, thank you for asking that because um, one man said to me, you like to go really dark to go light. So we we just sort of went really dark, right? I mean, I just read you an email about someone who, yeah. who died from this issue. So let's start yeah. going a little bit lighter here um, and say that there actually is a secret formula, Allison. There's a secret formula. And we know this because we watched people fair play the book launched right before the pandemic. And so we got to watch people who are playing fair play or tenants versus people who weren't. So we had this really beautiful um, experimental data. And I will tell you, the people who are playing fair play understood something. Again, it doesn't have to be that you're actually doing the card game to a T, and we'll talk about that. But they right. understood something that is really the, the basis of what the fair play movement is, is that, yes, we're going to fight for paid leave and for better daycare for, for you because half of the country is living in a, in a child care desert. So we understand we have to deal with that. But in the meantime... Um, regardless of the expectations of, of your own marriage, regardless of your religion, reg regardless of how you were raised, we can all agree that our home should be our most important organization. Yes. And that's it. That's all fair play tells you. It is not contentious and triggering if you look at it that way. And so the yeah. beauty is when you can say, okay, our home is our most important organization. We'd like to save time for both of us. We know systems work. Otherwise, the whole world wouldn't be using systems, right? A system scares people, but all it really is, is just helping you to, to make a decision in advance so that you don't have to see, nice. make the same decision over and over yes. again, right? So as yes. one man said to me, he couldn't believe he was a systems designer in his workplace, but that in his home, they all they waited to decide who's taking the dog out every night, right? When it was about to take... A pee on the rug. So yeah. I was like, wow. So like you didn't want to decide in advance who was in charge of the dog, right? Yeah. So, oh, wow. I could have done that. So that's all fair play is. And so what the people who were playing during the pandemic showed me was that when you understand your home as an organization, then you can believe me that the three things you need for a successful organization are boundaries, systems, and communication. Mm -hmm. And that's the secret formula. It's hard. It's like saying all you need to do is get 10,000 steps a day, but simple, not easy, yes. <laughs> simple, not easy. But it's, but it's the good news is that like those values we talked about earlier, right? That you can be in practice with your values. Yeah. You can, you know, practice honesty or bravery or connection. Like those things we were talking about on a weekly basis in your home, you could begin to start practicing boundary systems and communication. And so I do feel like it's a lot easier to come to somebody and say, Hey, there's these cards I actually didn't realize how much work it takes to run a home as an organization. Yeah. I'm not going to throw them at you and say, you have to take the cards right now, or you're not going to look at them and say, well, I hold them all. You do nothing. No, we're just going to look at them together and just say, what's in our deck? What can we throw out of our deck? I think right. that's the biggest step. That was the biggest game changer for people looking at the fair play work 
And again, you can find it on our website and I'm sure you'll look to it in the show notes. If you don't, you don't need to buy anything. But the goal out there is to get everybody looking at their home as an organization and saying, wow, we do this every day. Yeah. We do all this work every yeah. day unpaid and we should feel good about that. This is our humanity. It's important. And we cannot look at it just as chores. And that's really the goal of what fair play is. It's boundaries, systems, and communication. Boundaries to say, I do not have to live like this just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I have to do it all. Systems is looking, and we'll talk a little bit more about the fair play system, but it's understanding how to divvy up these hundred cards with full ownership as opposed to just having a helper. And then communication, as you just said earlier, Allison, I will say one thing about communication. I want to reflect on the way people communicated to you about your viral video with your son. Hmm. It sounds like they were not nuanced and and thoughtful in their communication, right? They were angry. So unfortunately, with this topic of sort of fair play, you know, what I call, what other people may call chores and housework and I call humanity, there's a lot of feedback in the moment. It's so triggering that we're all giving feedback in the moment, whether it's on TikTok video or it's to our partner. What the... Why did you leave yeah. the door open again? Right. It's this yeah. feedback in the yeah. moment. And so what I realized was that the biggest game changer in people's lives is to understand that, especially in this very triggering topic, the best thing we can start practicing is understanding that we can only have conversations when emotion is low yeah. and cognition is high. That let's just say that again. Conversations yeah. about domestic yeah. life cannot happen in the moment. They have to happen when emotions are low and cognition side. So that's the beauty. That's the rainbow. Boundaries, systems, communication, simple, not easy, is a practice that we watch fair play families during the pandemic do. And they were thriving compared to people who had never been introduced to these topics. Yeah. So to piggyback off of that a little bit, I would imagine, so even with a brilliant book with chain breaking ideas and an enlightening deck of cards that as as amazing as that is i would imagine that these things maybe cannot completely undo years decades maybe yes. even of built up resentment what it what i bet counselors are thrilled like to have this resource available to them what do you have to say about counseling in the middle of of all of this how Absolutely. can these things work together well, absolutely, right? It, this is only a tool. That's like saying to you, yeah. you know, cognitive behavioral therapy tools um, can just help on their own. It doesn't work that way. It is this, like I said, it's a practice. The system is easy. Mm-hmm. It is based on this idea that, and it was really, you know, it's a transformative idea, I think, to understand that th- that your home doesn't have to be 50-50. And it's probably mm-hmm. not going to be if this is something where you're working on old patterns. It's different if people come in before they have kids, it's the fair play mm-hmm. system. But mm-hmm. I will say that for for my for Seth, the way we started with moving towards an ownership mindset away from a helping mindset. Um, to be clear, Eve is talking about her husband. My, husband, my husband's yes. name is Seth oh. also. And so listeners are going to think you're talking about my husband. <laughs> okay, right. So but you probably Seth, could. <laughs> my Seth, um, you know, when he first saw this, right, this this was at first a list. And and I had very quick, really quick education that lists alone don't work because he saw this in the Excel spreadsheet called the shit I do. 
And he gave me a monkey emoji that said, I'm covering my eyes. I never want to see whatever yeah, the hell yeah, this is again, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Um, so it can feel very scary if you're just going to throw this at somebody. Yeah. That's why when the system is easy, because it was just saying, when you hold extracurricular sports, Seth, I love that you show up to the Little League field, but here's the conception and planning behind it that you will now hold. To yeah. own this card, you will be serving our kids for what sport they want to play. You will be on an 85-person text chain for coordinating three practices a week. Oh my gosh. You'll be ordering equipment on Amazon and getting birth certificates <laughs> and logging it on to a 1980s portal that you'll have no idea what to do with. So I think um, I think that that's, you know, th- that was shocking to him that he wasn't handling extracurricular sports until he did all that. But that yeah. one card for him taking it over for two young boys and now my daughter saves me about six probably to 10 hours a week now of my yeah, life because they both play yeah. competitive sports. And so that was life-changing just for him to own one of the hundred tasks, right? So that's yeah. the beauty. It takes such a small thing. But as you said, if there's built up resentment, the hardest thing I will say, Allison, is not when you're in the conversation. Because when you're in the conversation, all this stuff makes sense. Treating your home as an organization makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's that people don't want to come to the table. They're afraid to come to the table. Right. And I get that. And I want to just say, for those of you who are afraid to come to the table and say, you know, it's too late for me, start with the unicorn space. Yeah. Start with the conversation. Oh, great. Right. Yes. Start with the thing that you love to do, because when you have a why, why you need your time back, it becomes easier to fight for those systems. Right. That is such great advice. And that's it. That's what I would say. I need time to write. I need time to go to take my trapeze class. And then when somebody sees you setting that boundary, so that's why I say start with the boundaries. Unicorn space is how you set your boundary. Don't start with the systems. If you are mm-hmm. have a willing partner who's like, we need time back. This is a shit show here. And mm-hmm. but they respect you, mm-hmm. willing to communicate when co- cognition is is high and, and, and emotion is low, start with the system because yeah. you can just start getting efficiency. And if you have no idea where to start, the most important place to start is the communication. So if it's a formula of boundary systems communication, if you don't have a unicorn space yet, if you don't have, not ready for the systems, you start just with one simple thing. Just slowly, slowly, slowly over time, start to change how you communicate. And it starts with us. Yeah. I'm never blaming women here. We're This is not our fault. But we can start with us, right? The feedback in the moment, the passive aggressive. One woman, for example, said to me, I reached out to her, Allison, because she started a 27,000 member Facebook group during the pandemic called The Reasons I Hate My Husband and Kids During the Pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to her. She's out of the UK. And I said, hey, you posted on your this crazy, you know, this crazy Facebook group that if your husband was going to die during the pandemic... It wouldn't be because of COVID. It would be because of you. So I wrote to her, how do you communicate to your partner? Um, I'm a researcher. And she wrote back to me kindly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't communicate with my partner. This is my safe space. So Allison, we need to reflect on the yeah. fact that this woman felt that publicly threatening to murder her partner in front of 27,000 strangers felt safer to her than talking to him directly. Ouch. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's wow. sort of where we all are. Yeah. When you put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so I'd like to end with your hopes for femininity and masculinity. But before we do, I would imagine you are a heart, by the way, my best friend and the entire planet, we're both only children and we've been best friends since we were eight. And, um, you share so much in common. She is also a just a hot lawyer who has had to breast pump in a stairwell. And so I am just, I'm such a rooter for strong, smart, ambitious women. And I would imagine that as a Harvard trained lawyer, you probably had some inkling that you were going to be successful in life. But Reese Witherspoon's book club and Good Morning America and Wall Street Journal and New York Times and on and on and on and on, you know, documentary on Hulu, all these things. I would imagine that's a bit of a surprise. And I I, (laughs) And you said early on that this is not um, anything that you planned for yourself. What has been the biggest joy or surprise in this unexpected journey of yours? Well, this is, I again, I feel like you're asking me the most beautiful questions to get to like the main points. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to come back to those three values that mm-hmm. um, the unicorn space really is asking yeah. women to adopt. And those values are curiosity, connection, and completion. So again, you had two of those in your writing. And I will say that the beauty of this podcast that you have, I got to listen to your voice. You have a very nice, very good radio voice. Um, Thank you. (laughs) uh, It is, you have, um, and again, it gets a little more complicated if it starts to become your career. But what you did with this podcast, right, was that you were curious about topics. Um, You had to reach out to people and connect with them if you wanted to talk to them about that specific topic. And then even if you didn't like the way the conversation went, you had to edit it and put Mm -hmm. it out in the world. Mm -hmm. That cycle of curiosity, connection, and completion is how we stay interested Mm -hmm. in our own lives. And so that's why I want to give those values to all of the listeners here. And I will say that that's what surprised me the most was that those three values of being curious, you know, what if we could do things differently in the home, right? What if when I look up home organization in Barnes and Nobles in 2012, and the only thing I could find was like how to you know, organize my junk drawer. And I was like, wait a second, no one's treating the home like an organization. I'm curious what would happen if I became my own client. And then you start to share this with the world. I have this weird system, you know, where you test it and then you complete something, whether it's, you know, for me, the first thing was completing a whole set of cards on index cards, you know, writing out a hundred tasks that women had to do. Those cycles, I didn't know it would end, end me up on, end me up. That's probably the wrong grammar. I didn't know that I would end up, you know, say on like Good Morning America talking about these issues. But I knew that if I continue to be curious uh, and sharing myself with others and completing something that ultimately you get to a point where I want us all to get to. My gift for you all out there is that at some point in the next couple months, you have an experience that makes you say, I can't believe I just did that. That is what I want for us all, because that is ultimately the thing that will sustain us. And the last thing I want to say about that is that, again, not knowing where this would take me. One of the most important insights, I think, Allison, that that these two books have afforded me was understanding really, given that there are so many mental health challenges for women in this unpaid labor, I start to really ask, what is the definition of mental health? And I don't think I would have asked Mm -hmm. that if it wasn't for seeing so many women suffering. And so after interviewing many people, philosophers, uh, mental health experts, the common definition that I liked the most was the idea that we have to, uh, mental, true mental health is having appropriate emotions 
at appropriate times, yet having the ability and strength to weather them. Mm-hmm. So I want to end us all on that, that a lot of women's lives, especially here in America with all the expectations on us, are not cupcakes and rainbows. We're going to have rage and resentment and sadness and root canals, but we're going to have them and they're going to be appropriate emotions. And we're going to have them at the appropriate times. Yeah. But it's about having that ability and strength to weather them. And so this process for me, having a purpose greater than myself has helped me weather the day-to-day emotions of rage and sadness and all the things I feel being, you know, a mother of three kids. Yeah. Thank you so much. That feels like a beautiful answer to your hope for femininity. Mm. Um, What about your hope for masculinity? My hope for masculinity, um, I think, again, if you have time to see the documentary, would be the way my son expresses um, his his engagement in housework and in childcare in our family. That for now at 15, when I ask him, you know, what do you think is the most important thing you do in a week? My husband, my husband, um, and my son will probably now say taking care of Anna, going to Zach's basketball game. Whereas Seth, my Seth and my Zach and my Ben I would have said before this process, it probably would have been those extrinsic goals. Like the most important thing I did was winning the basketball game or getting an A in science or whatever it is. Um, So we've all had to move away from those extrinsic values of success to more of these caregiving values of success because we have to live the movement, Allison, right? We are yeah. talking. Right. And so I would say for masculinity, I want men to, when we ask them the most important thing that they did that week, um, that for women, it's something other than caregiving, but for men, I want yeah. them to say that it's their caregiving role. It was putting their daughter to bed, taking, holding their child's hand in the pediatrician's office Yeah. when they, when they're sick, you know, that, yeah. that's what I, that's my dream for masculinity. Yeah. Thank you. So where can we tell us what to do and we'll do it. Give us marching orders, Eve, please. Where can we follow you? What can we buy? Everybody, please go get a deck. Go. Do you prefer? I mean, where do you prefer we do that? Oh, you're so sweet. Mine are from Amazon, but what's your preference? Amazon is great. Um, They're, you know, I think and a lot of independent bookstores too. But the point is, again, if you money is tight for a lot of people right now, this is turning into a nonprofit. We have this, so we're trying to, like I said, move it to a movement. So if you can't buy the cards, we have all these resources available for you on fairplay, fairplaylife.com. So there's a lot, a lot of free resources out there. My marching orders is to do that values exercise. Mm-hmm. Your homework is, and then to tell Allison as your accountability partner, because you're 66% more likely to do something if you have an accountability <laughs> partner, mm. let Allison or me know on social, um, at mm-hmm. Eve Rodsky, you know, mm-hmm. that what, what you found when you, what type of values you came up with when you think about something you love doing and, uh, what it makes you feel. So that's, I think our marching orders and the other marching order, I would say, if you want to dip your toe into the fair play world, instead of just, you know, again, looking at the overwhelming nature of how to change sort of the division right now, start to just ask your partner questions about their own lives. It's actually really fun to play a game with these cards, Allison, where you just pick one and you just say, let's just pick one. Let's see. Yeah. Um, groceries, you know, who did the grocery shopping in your house? Where did you buy groceries? Seth and I had this great conversation about Pathmark 
and what it was like having to go on Sunday nights and only being able to buy the no frills brand. And I just desperately wanted like the tide that was you like need. red. <laughs> and we had these, we had a lot of sort of sometimes when we were on food stamps and we needed to do there were we were not allowed to buy the nice brands on yeah. when you had help from the government. So we had this beautiful conversation, which was such a different world from the way he grew up. But the more understanding we have about the fact that chores, these things that we call chores and housework are actually our humanity, they are yeah. our core memories, the yeah. better. So that those yeah. are the marching orders, I would say. Tell your story <sighs> and find your values. Oh, Eve, I am so grateful for you. It has been such a delight to Same. hear all of this in person and your face and your voice and your care and your concern. I'm just so, so grateful. You are a brave trailblazer and you are opening society's eyes to women who are drowning and you're giving words to all of this uh, for people who might not be able to have the stamina or the energy or the resources to find words themselves. And I am so, so grateful for your very important work. I am a forever fan. Keep going. Never quit writing. Never quit asking questions. I'm just so, so grateful to know about you. Thank you, you, Seth. You're Seth. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hello, Beefinator. Hi, Beefy Beef Beef. Hello. So um, talking to Eve reminded me so much of talking to you. Y'all parallel each other in so many awesome ways. I wanted, I really wanted you to be doing the interview. Um, I mean, between the public breast pumping and always skillfully Uh having to negotiate how to be a badass in two places at once, I feel like y'all would have had so much to talk about. Oh my gosh. Thank you for comparing me to her. She's a total um, badass. And certainly I saw lots of myself in her and could relate to so many of her stories. I'm especially loved how you called me a hot lawyer, Beefy. Thank you for that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah. So she breast pumped in the hallway. I breast pumped on a toilet with Mm -hmm. my lunch in my lap. Um, while it, in the, the break of a meeting one time. Yeah. Um, and then I always remember too, that when I first was back at the office uh, pumping, that was a relatively novel thing at the place where I was at that time. And so my door didn't have a lock on it. And uh, so I would just like beg my legal assistant to just like lurk around, you know, however many times a day for however long it took, because hopefully somebody would have knocked, but even if they did, I didn't want to have to like respond, like, not now, like top Trust like, me, I, I don't you don't want to come in. <laughs> this so will forever awkward. make our working relationship very awkward. <laughs> it makes me sweat today. Oh my goodness. Okay, so I am holding here. Oh, where did okay? I'm holding here my deck of fair uh-huh. play cards. Okay. And so the first I've already been through them like several times, but so just she has thought of everything. And I'm I was looking at these first two, and it's who does hard questions with kids. Okay. Mm. Uh, right. Um, who does yeah. middle of the night comfort? Okay. okay. Who is in charge of photos and memories? I mean, wow. it's so thorough. I love it so much. So let's talk about this really quick. Imagine the old stereotype of a dad coming home from work and maybe he, you know, kind of slumps into his recliner and, and asks for a beer and turns on the TV and then tunes out. Meanwhile, the woman is, you know, running around wrangling children and maybe a roast, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we, we all agree that that is a very old stereotype, right? Like that's no longer a thing. Yeah, I think so. I think for a lot of us, right? Definitely um, in our homes, dads are definitely 
feeding and diapering and bathing and probably helping with the cooking, homework, definitely way more active and hands-on. So like women, dads are enthralled with their kids, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also like men or like stereotypically men, women are now working more outside of the home. Right. So, so same, same. So same, same dads love their kids. Same, same moms are also working, except not same, same when it comes to domestic labor. And I love the way that even though it's better, Mm -hmm. if it were all the way better, then it would not be a viral news story when we see a dad braiding hair. Right. Right. Like, like it's not that hard. You just put the outside over the middle. Like, you know, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so it would be easy to say we're done and we've made it. Um, And so I just, I like that Eve has put language to all of these things as the she fault parent, like these Mm -hmm. things, this, this invisible labor usually falls on us. So let's talk about it and let's talk about it without being angry. I just think that it is so completely revolutionary. For me, this episode was super timely because I have sincerely very recently been lamenting about, um, in in somewhat of a snarky manner, what a gift it must be um, for many of my male colleagues and my husband to an extent to be able to only think about work during the traditional hours of the workday, right? Mm. Um, To walk underneath an exit sign. Exactly. And And just be able to focus on one thing. Like, What's that like when you don't have just a million things um, going through your head all the time. Mm-hmm. And I just being resentful about that, if I'm being honest, right? Yeah. But there's something about having language for identifying it for what it is, having language for the mental load, because that's what it is. It's the right. mental load for right. me. And if I can name it, I can address it. Exactly. Um, do something about it and be less resentful about it. Right. Right. And help and help them. Cause you know, she makes a big point of that is this isn't about women being the heroes and men being bad. It's about us all being able to identify things and name things and talk about them. I I love that. And I love that she's not even suggesting a perfect blend. Mm -hmm. She's not even saying, oh, all the unspoken or the invisible labor has to be 50-50 and all the daily grinds have to be 50. That's not even what she's saying. What she's saying is that this, or it needs to be a match between paid work and unpaid work or all really that she's doing is urging us towards good communication about what our expectations are and how our home is going to be harmonious. I remember this moment and it was, um, I had the kids with some other families. Um, It was in the summer, I guess the Olympics were on and we were in this outdoor, I don't know, it, it was like a patio and we were, there were TVs out and we were watching the Olympics. And so I had all the kids. It must've been like the dog days of summer because I remember it, it. That sounds like a peaceful, lovely thing to be doing. And it wasn't, I was, um, I was tired. Yeah. I was hot. I had been parenting all day. So whatever the case, well, Seth had come to meet us. We were with other families. Like I said, Seth had come to meet us and he like checked in and hugged us. And then I'm kind of busy, like getting kids their dinner or whatever. And I look up and he was walking to the car. And so I was like, Hey, what you doing? And he was like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go home. I'm going to, um, I don't know if he was like going for, he was going to work out or he was going for a run Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, huh, can't. Can I tap out? Like, can I just yeah. go do something for me? Now, I want to say 
without hesitation, without reservation, without any commas, ands, or buts, or semicolons, nothing. He is an incredible partner. And so Eve made this wonderful point in the interview to say, it's not your fault. Right. It, this is how we have been socially conditioned to, okay, well, these are the things that I'm supposed to do. And these are the things that you're supposed to do. And, and so until we have that moment of, wait, what is it that allows you to just go to your car when you want and just leave? Is, is it that you have a job? Because then I want one. Then I want one yes. that we all agree is like right. a real job, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. but there are these moments and hers was about blueberries in her car. Right. Mine right. was watching my husband walk to his car. You know, right. yours is about trying to plan this retreat that I know we haven't talked about, but um, yeah. anyways, there are these moments. Yeah, I can tell you my most recent one was this Sunday. Uh, my husband and I are both getting ready for church next to each other at sinks, right? So we're doing the same thing at the same time and same space. And I'm thinking through, okay, after church, our teenage son wanted to hang out with a new friend for the first time. And I don't know the parents and I don't know anything about them. And so how can I like, you know, be a good mom and like figure that out without embarrassing him? Like, I'm kind of trying to think through like, how's that going to look for a teenager? I haven't like done that with a new person at that age. And then our daughter is going to a play at two o'clock. And so how can I figure out the baby's nap around taking her um, to not wake anybody up and screw up our evening? Cause that's really bad if the baby's nap gets screwed up. And then also I need to work just for a little bit today, but if I take the daughter during the nap, then I won't be able to use that time. So then I'll have to work late. Um, but, but maybe I wouldn't if Mike took everybody to a park, but it's also going to rain. Okay. So I'm, I'm doing all that. And <laughs> Mike goes, huh? He's looking at himself in the mirror. I, I meant to get a haircut sometime before Christmas, but now it's already mid-January. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm not kidding. I literally said, wow, I want to tell you about this book I'm reading <laughs> because yeah. I yeah. am exhausted about the, all the trails that my brain was just going down while you, bless your heart, were thinking about this. And I just want to tell you about what I was thinking about and why, because yeah. I'm certain that when I say, Hey, will you take the teenage son to the play date? Will you take the, do-? like you'll execute all the tasks. Yes, you will do the, the things. Yes. Load of thinking through them of having to ask. when yeah. they need to be done and yeah. then following up and all that that she talks about. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, all that to say, like, I was so grateful for just the words and, um, and to be able to present it in a way that didn't feel, make him feel defensive, you know? Nice. Nice. Yes. Good. Okay, so let's end with one. I can't believe I just did that. So the thing that I want to be able to say, I can't believe I just did that, is um, our daughter is going to be doing a fun run recently, and she asked me to do it with her. And because Ooh. I don't do any running for any funning, um, that's going to take a little little unicorn space for me. So, okay. And I want to. And I want to. So Yeah. Oh, it, I love that so much, Beef. Hold I will. I will ask yeah. you about that. Um, <laughs> okay. How about you? I um, have... So my writing partner, who I adore, Amy Garcia, um, she has a real deal job where she teaches. And so we have gotten out of the habit of writing together. Um, we wrote a script. It's like a full feature length film. We don't know what mm-hmm. to do with it. We really like it, but whatever. And so I want to do another one. Because the truth is that when we get together, it's not even really that hard. Yeah. The truth. Yeah. It's commitment. It's commitment for sure. So anyways. Okay. Love you, Beef. This was great. Love you. Bye. 
Bye. I am so, so grateful for you, listener. If you liked this episode, could you please do me a favor and hit subscribe and leave a review? It really helps the show grow and I would be so appreciative. Thank you so much to our guests who share their gifts so generously with us. And a special thank you to Taylor Schroll, who does so much behind the scenes to make the show great. If it weren't for him, I would still be in my closet with my iPhone. You can follow along at Forte Catholic as well. That's Taylor's show where I show up now and again. And to keep up more regularly, please follow along on Instagram at Allison M. Sully or TikTok at Sullivan Family TikTok. See you next week. Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to ForteCatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.